Uh, hey folks, welcome to the Sly Podcast, the Salt Light and Yeast Podcast, where uh, this podcast, there's nothing sly about it, where it's off-the-cuff, unscripted conversation between myself, Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor here at Wapak Naz, and Matthew Kirkpatrick, Youth and Associate Pastor. Who are the Yeasty Boys, apparently, as dubbed by one of Matthew's friends, yeah, and uh, we want to s- extend a hello uh, to the listener in New Zealand. Uh, we are not sure how you found us. Uh, I'm not sure if you fat fingered the keyboard or if you just, there are words in, in, in your language that sound or look like Wapak Naz. I don't know how you found us, but we are glad that you're just, with us. Ju- They're just tired of looking at the cinematic <laughs> landscape of the Lord of the Rings franchise. Oh, so they said, why not listen oh, to something really gosh. dull? Uh, oh, and wow. so here they are. So thank you. <laughs> and, and actually welcome to all those faithful, uh, listeners who, uh, we have not disgusted, uh, have not offended and continue to <laughs> try to offend. Deeply. Try to offend deeply. <laughs> so uh, we're we're uh, obviously this is a podcast that we do every day, except for the days that we don't. And last week we didn't do any, uh, and we haven't done any for probably about a week and a half, two yeah. weeks. And so just to kind of catch you up to speed, where we are individually, where we are as a state, and um, I don't know. Uh, a nation. I think our our state is the state of confusion. At least I'm in perpetual confusion. Um, but uh, as as a church, um, we just wrapped up our eighth uh, drive through service, which we've talked about that in this podcast. And I have really appreciated the intimacy, um, the conversations that we've been able to have at uh, a safe distance uh, with our our folks and some some guests from the community. Uh, we've partnered with our Wapak Athletic Club, um, so we 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 haven't had service here in eight weeks. Yeah. Um, and uh, we the our leadership team, uh, our leadership team met via Zoom. I think Wednesday. Uh, you were yeah. you were a part of that that conversation, and we really tried to lay out a plan of action. And so we do have uh, some light on the the horizon here. Uh, June seventh, we're going to go ahead and and. and resume suspended services um and uh so in fact we will have had uh 11 weeks of drive through services yeah before that happens before that happens and we're going to go to two services we're going to try to make things as safe as possible however we firmly believe it's it's the choice of the individual um that really makes the difference and um so as a church, we're, we're starting to move and open up and starting to move forward. We're still in kind of limbo and pause. Um, personally, um, you know, I, I have uh, um, our, our store. I was going to say, you guys, you guys opened up your in-person in-store. Yeah. Uh, we've been curbside for the last like three weeks. Um, but uh, today is day one <clears throat> of opening up the, uh, the store. Uh, where people can come in and grab and go, essentially. Yeah. Um, my hair is ready to be tackled. He won't let me buzz it. I told him I could. <laughs> I buzz mine, and it's totally fine. Just people call me bald. Not a big deal. Wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah, if if, you're, if my hair looks like yours, I don't want you to buzz mine. So uh, I, am, I am so excited. I, I message my, uh, my friend who, who does my hair. She's right next door. Um, to our store and we're really excited that they're going to open up and there's a buzz about like 
haircuts. Pun intended, right? <laughs> uh, there is definitely a buzz, uh, kind of like an exhale yeah. uh, in town right now, uh, in a little town of Wapakoneta. Um, there, cars are being parked on, on the side of the street, like when the streets two weeks ago were absolutely vacant, except for the curbside and a few cars down the street. Uh, what's going on with you? Your wife is still unemployed currently? Still unemployed. Um, so not much has changed for us um, since really like the week after this hit off. I mean, yeah. that first week um, was really the change for her. And and uh, my son's preschool closing um, was shortly after that. Yep. Um, so none of that's really been changed or altered. I mean, we're trying to figure out how to do... Um, how, how to meet the summer guidelines for the kindergarten registration and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. just navigating some of those things that are different from other organizations that are trying to figure out how to do this and manage things and get ready for the fall yeah. um, in light of all of the restrictions and limitations and um, all that kind of stuff. So um, we're not uh, we're not all that shifted, really. So we're just kind of continuing to hang in there. Mm -hmm. And and personally, like here professionally, I'm, I'm about on the verge to send in my annual report that is due uh, the 15th of May. So it's kind of like I've been reflecting and reviewing the year, um, baptisms, salvations, um, completion of eight week, the eight week, 52 week Bible study, right. just kind of looking at the year in, in, in well, summary. And, and it's, it's really, it's an encapsulation of the movement of God over the course of the last year. You and, know, I Where's sent God you, moved? Where is he? Yeah. And I sent you the written report that I'm going to submit to my my uh, superior, quote unquote. Uh, and uh, you know, we just kind of reviewed how this past year has been a year of like partnerships. Yeah. Uh, we obviously we're still in partnership with the Wapak Athletic Club. We partnered with the YMCA for our baptism service, where we held the baptism service in the gym and then uh, baptized in the in their pool, uh, the Oglays County Crisis Center. Uh, which is our domestic violence crisis center, um, the Family Life Center, yep. um, who offers wonderful services to those individuals, those those women um, and teenagers that find themselves pregnant and don't know where to go. They they offer a lot of services there. Um, man, we've we've partnered with a lot of places, a lot of people, and really have been trying to educate our folks here at Wapaknas of the needs within our community. Uh, we. We blessed and impacted several community leaders at the for the Global Leadership Summit. So just we've I've been in a review kind of mode. Yeah. Um, and so you know one of the things that that I think I'd like us to talk about today, um, however long or short it may be, is narrative, um, <clears throat> narrative rhetoric, uh, propaganda. Um, like for instance, you peeked your head over here while I, like about an hour ago and said hey did you hear did you hear about the world health organization who now says that uh, masks do not help with the cdc who continues to propose that you wear your masks with the president who says uh wear your masks but i'm not going to yeah, wear one yeah <laughs> um and there are staffers pence staffers who currently have covid or at least have been tested for COVID, or there's just some suspicion of COVID. Right. So this whole propaganda, this 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 narrative of, I mean, that's just a microcosm to the large scale narrative yeah. that has been going on um, probably since the end of, uh, well, the end of January. When even before that, 
the media was putting out a lot of things. So I, I, first, I want to talk. I want to bring scripture. Let, let's. We got to go to scripture, and then we'll have this discussion because I, I really feel like this is imperative that that the scripture comes to light, and it is our baseline here. And so, uh, for those of you listening, I'm, I'm going to read from a couple places. Um, and then we're going to jump right into this because I know you're chomping at the bit to have this conversation. Um, Hebrews chapter 5, um, <clears throat> verse 11 through, and we'll just read uh, probably to the front end of chapter 6. We have much to say about this, uh, but it is hard to explain because you are slow to learn. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach. Yikes. <laughs> you need someone to teach you. Yeah, yikes. The elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. This is this is really harsh. Um, so if your toes are being stepped on... It's not our words. <laughs> it's not us. Uh, anyone who lives on milk, but being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to, and this is really where it is, who have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from the acts from acts that lead to death and on, on of faith in God, instruction about baptisms and laying on of hands, that's not social distancing, the resurrection of the dead and the and eternal judgment, and God permitting, we will do so. Backstep for just a moment to Jesus' words in the sermon, what we call the Sermon on the Mount, uh, from Matthew chapter 5, and he says this, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. So we're going to talk about narrative. We're going to talk about agenda. We're going to talk about propaganda and also the the follower of Christ, the believer in Jesus Christ, and their role in all of this. And I think one of the things that we we will come to to discuss is uh, we should have, as believers and followers of Christ, the ability. And use the ability to discern what is good and what is evil, what is true and what is false, uh, what are allegations and accusations uh, versus the, the truth being come being in light and understanding what what is absolute truth versus a narrative that is being pushed, um, rhetoric and propaganda, um, but also we as believers, and I guess I'm kind of summing up this podcast, but we as believers really um, ought to be those that, yes, we must be the voice for the voiceless. Yeah. But when do we become dissenting? When do we become the divisive voice, the one that continues to perpetuate the propaganda, to throw out the narratives that are false, um, to, to be hooked by these narratives? And so let's just kind of open this can of worms um, and and kind of muddle our way through this. Yeah. We never come to conclusions. No, really. No. Um, I think there are some conclusions that are very clear here. But uh, but but yeah. I mean, we, the reason for that is because there's so much room to be faithful to God in the middle of it all. 
Like there are certainly extremes that, that are beyond, but there's so much room to be faithful to God and faithful in your Christian walk, whether you agree with this side or you disagree with it. Correct. You know, so like to 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 come down and say this is the way in a singular uh, mindset, not the way as in Jesus calling himself the way, but um, to say my understanding is the correct and best and most accurate understanding, and anything that deviates from that must be eliminated. Um, I said it a few days ago to, to somebody that uh, diversity of thought doesn't bring disunity. Correct. Disunity comes when we silence diversity of thought. Um, when we say that my thought is, is superior to your thought, and we've now eliminated all other thought. Now we've got division. division. Correct. Um, so... To this point about propaganda narrative, narrative is innate in in all of us. We're all yes. speaking a narrative <clears throat> in our lives innately. Every organization has its own narrative. Um, every every company, every political organization, every entity has a piece of narrative, something that they are trying to communicate about themselves, their ideas, their agenda uh, that is um, they believe to be more right than the rest yeah right uh so narrative is is kind of the softer term uh, agenda kind of becomes a little bit negative propaganda, propaganda is super negative <laughs> right so Absolutely. I, I remember in I, it was probably middle school i think it was probably fifth grade um learning about propaganda as a narrative tool yeah for the first time properly um, and, and the examples were primarily out of World War II that were being used in this yes. history class. Um, and when we think however of, they were used in Vietnam, they were absolutely in Korea. Um, but when we when we think about the propaganda from World War II, and you can find stuff all on YouTube and stuff like that of these quote unquote banned cartoons, where Donald Duck or Mickey Mouse or Daffy Duck or Bugs Bunny or whomever has enlisted to go serve, Uncle Sam called them up and said, "Hey, go serve." <laughs> Um, and you see these depictions, these derivative yep. depictions of, of Asian people, yep. of, of other minorities that are uh, completely racially insensitive, yes. um, completely offensive. Um, and that was intentional. It yep. wasn't something that accidentally happened. It was intentional because what they were doing with the propaganda piece was they were trying to minimize the humanity in those people. Diminish human, yeah. D diminish the diminish, human identity. Yeah. In order that we can see them as less than human, so that it's okay that we kill them. Yep. And and notice who's who's watching those. First of all, yes. The generation or the 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 age group that watches those cartoons, they're not the twenty year old. They're not the thirty year old. Yeah. They're the five to ten to twelve year olds. Yeah. At the time. Yeah. So you're you're absolutely and so raising up a generation. Um, to dehumanize humanity, right? Um, regardless of their ethnicity. So, keep going on. Well, and, and so the the point, the <clears throat> intention behind it was so that they could be effective and they could win this war. Um, and so you you brought up Korea and Vietnam, mm -hmm. where the leaflets were just dropped everywhere. But there even was, in even in uh, East Berlin or but, West Berlin. But there was a a bigger push in America or at least a, a kind of a grassroots push, kind of causing some dissension about this propaganda, mm -hmm. um, which I'm not a historian. I, I like history. I read history. I watch history. Um, you know more about church history than you do than about... Than I do about American history, probably so. Yeah. But 
Um, but from my vantage point, the way I see it, one of the causes for why we struggled to quote-unquote win the wars in Korea and Vietnam as America um, is because we we did buy into uh, let, me, let me think how I want to say this. So if winning the war was our goal, mm -hmm. um, regardless of this whole dehumanization that we had in World War II, mm -hmm. where we, we definitively won that war, us and the Allied powers won that war definitively. Correct. Um, if winning the war is the goal, then by all means you win that war, whatever it costs. Mm -hmm. Whatever you dehumanize, whatever you eliminate, whatever you cause to be less than image bearers of God, you do that so you can yeah. win that war. We did not do that as effectively as a country for Korea and Vietnam no. as we did it in World War II, particularly Correct. for the Japanese, but also the Germans in World War II. Yep. Um, because of that, because we began to be a little bit more conscientious about the way we were depicting people, our stomach as a country wasn't able to deal with the ramifications of all this loss of life, all this death, all this devastation. Yeah. To what end? To what purpose? What what value is this serving? Because now we're we're still kind of seeing those people as human. Whereas World War Two, little Johnny's watching cartoons at home, dad's away at war, man, dad's a hero because he's killing these these monsters. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um so propaganda, the a backdrop to what propaganda has been and yeah. can be, um in the context of you know, wars, particularly. Mm -hmm. And we've heard the rhetoric, uh, not only from our own governor, but also Cuomo, from, uh, governor of New York, but also our president, um, and even some Dr. Amy Acton, that we are at war. Yeah. We are at war. Um, and we are at war with this virus. Um, and quite frankly, I feel like we're we're at more at war within ourselves yeah. Oh, yeah. than anything else in the world. Um, but yeah, there's so there's this sense of um, we have to promote a quote unquote agenda because we want human behavior to move in a particular direction. Essentially, that's what propaganda. Yeah, that's what agendas do. That's what rhetoric does. Is is essentially to move human behavior, the mass, yeah. not just the individual, but the masses, in a particular direction. And it's got to be sharp and severe to move mass. Correct. You know, you can have a, a rational, reasoned conversation with one person and maybe begin to convince them to move in a direction that you want them to move in. Mm -hmm. But that conversation isn't going to translate and, and uh, disseminate effectively for the mass mm -hmm. it diminishes as it drops along so you begin extremely severe and as it diminishes as it moves across the mass you you've at least begun to move people yep and there's been there has been a tipping point and look <laughs> let's just use and and quite frankly I, i'm just gonna say i am uninterested in the debate about wearing or not wearing a facial mask. Okay, uh, I'm uninterested in that debate. Um, I, you know, you you can choose to to be on the one side where 
you must wear a mask all the time, or you can choose to be on the other side of things where I, it's, it's ridiculous, um, it's a farce, none of this exists, and you're an idiot if you're wearing a mask. Yeah. Um, and there's a whole spectrum in the middle. I'm uninterested in that debate. However, the mask has become the the hot topic button and actually has become, I guess, the, the symbol. Uh, that may not be the right word. But it is it has become the issue that a lot of people focus on. And it is it actually shows the narrative that we are sitting in today. Yeah. Because there have been moms and individuals that have been raked over the coals because they're not wearing a mask. There have been businesses, not necessarily locally, but throughout the country that have been called out because they weren't wearing a mask. Pence has been called out for not wearing a mask. Trump has been called out for not wearing a mask. Well, and then just on the flip of that, there's been businesses that have instituted, you must wear a mask, and they've been equally demeaned and, and diminished for barring people of their rights and their freedoms to say that you have to come in with a mask on. Yes. You know, so I've, we've, I've had friends that have been said, I'm going to trespass you or who have been told I'm going to trespass you because you're not wearing a mask. Yeah. And so like it is on both ends of the spectrum, but it is this mask yeah. that has become the symbol of, of the, the saturation of the agenda, the propaganda um, falsehoods, um, and so, like, and it's become the issue of debate. Yeah. It's become the issue of debate in churches. It's become the issue of debate on social media. It's become, I mean... Uh, and, and quite frankly, the mask, I think, is a perfect example of what I said towards the beginning, that you can be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ and choose to wear a mask when you go out in public. Yep. And you can be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ and choose not to wear a mask when you go out in public. That's correct. What we do with how we talk about that, mm -hmm. and how we talk about those who choose to do the other, mm -hmm. is where we begin to uh, falter in our walk. Correct. And that, that brings us back to um, discerning what is evil, and discerning what is good uh, from what is evil. And it comes back to the Prince of Peace who said that blessed are the peacemakers, for you are the sons of God. Um, so, you know, one, I guess there's a big question here is how do, do we as followers of Christ, um, disciples, learners of Christ, learn to discern truth from falsehoods from narrative uh that has that is full of agenda and some propaganda um to to the absolute absolute truth um and what do we do with that well do john wesley had four points oh geez he called it quadrilateral <laughs> Just kidding. He actually, uh, he actually. I don't think I ever called it the quadrilateral. Somebody else coined that for him later. Oh um, gosh! But, but Mr. Theologian yeah, has entered to, the room to to throw the doctrine out there and then to break it down. <laughs> uh, John Wesley and Wesleyan theology, yeah. um, more properly than John Wesley, he talked about these things. But you know how things form over time. They they get compartmentalized together by others, not always the original thinkers who, yeah. who thought them. Um, if that makes sense. So the Wesleyan quadrilateral um, says 
that scripture, reason, tradition, and experience all help to inform our thoughts and our ways we understand and think about stuff and help us to discern truth. Um, the Holy Spirit working in and through all of those things. So scripture, your Bible, understanding the Bible, reading the Bible, uh, spending time in God's word is important, is significant. Yes. Uh, it cannot be diminished. Uh, reason, using your mind. God gave you a mind and an intellect for a reason. Absolutely. Use it. Think. Process. Ask questions. Discern. Um, don't always just follow. Ask questions. Tradition. What has, and maybe this one doesn't play out here in this specific example that much, but what has the historic church said about this issue? Whatever this this matter might be plaguing you since since the beginning of church fathers, yeah, the patrician fathers, and, and then going even the early church, going back to the um, early church, and then Acts, and that Paul. kind of points you back to scripture again. Yeah, you know what what did they say? Um, what has been historically accepted and believed about the Christian tradition? Correct. And are you in line or are you out of line with it? Um, so scripture, reason, tradition, and experience. Mm -hmm. What have you personally experienced? What has been your narrative? What have you seen played out? What have you seen happen in your life when it comes to this? And everything, and and in the quadrilateral, I don't I don't know if you started this out purposefully. I haven't studied the quadrilateral as much as I'm just going to confess here. I'm an Azarene pastor. I haven't really studied the quadrilateral <laughs> I'm all that much. I'm, I'm writing it on right? the whiteboard right now. <laughs> but scripture was stated first. Yeah, like everything, your tradition, your reasoning. And your experience all must be filtered through the lens of Scripture, and, and first and foremost. And it's innately understood that the Holy Spirit is the one that's working in you and through you through the whole process. Through the whole process, from so it's it's not a a, a reasoned intellect devoid of the Spirit's work in your life. Yeah, like so so you should be getting worked over by the Holy Spirit. Um, transforming you, changing you, renewing you, Romans. That's his, that's Romans his job. 12. That's what he does. Right. So as the Spirit does that in you, and you're using your mind and your experience and the tradition, and you're bringing all of this together with Scripture, now you're saying, ah, things are making a little bit more sense. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing things a little bit more clearly because God's Spirit is allowing you to see things the way he sees things, mm -hmm. see people the way he sees people. The what's interesting is um, with with Wesley's idea of the quadrilateral, which again he didn't coin that, but also with with scripture, um, just the way God has designed us. What's interesting with propaganda and with uh, a narrative that is being pushed, whether it's from the political side or the media side, is that this narrative that is pushed. Um, that there, there's a group of people that think that the rest of us can't think for ourselves. Yeah. But the way we're designed and the way Scripture speaks to us, to teach us, to admonish us, rebuke us, and move us, is that we have been created with a mind to reason and discern and understand what is true and what is false. The problem that we are facing not only nationally, but I would say as a Western culture, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, is that we have lost, I can't say we have lost it, we have forsaken the fact that there is an absolute yeah. truth. Yeah. Um, 
And, and, and that comes in when we're out of balance with our experience. You know, if we use that four, the four things again, scripture, reason, tradition, experience. Yeah. When we, when we outbalance our experience and remove it from the spirits working and guiding and say that it experiences the, the paramount is mm-hmm. the end all be all. Empiricism. Yeah. I um, must see it to believe it. And then we begin to have this idea that, you know, well, my truth is, is my truth and your truth is your truth. And I can't tell you that this truth is is the truth because your experience says something different. Yep. And all I have to do now, today, I don't know if you notice this in, in, in the media and politicians, all I have to do is say, this is the science. Yeah. This is science. Well, now I'm supposed to believe it because it's, it's science, which the scientists, um, I, I firmly believe... My major was psychology. My minor was biology. I loved chemistry. I am a, I can't say I'm a scientist, but I I love science, right? So, um, but the fact is the two leading organizations, the World Health Organization and the CDC are in conflict with one another in reference to this symbol and its effectiveness, the mask. So if science, which one politician will say, well, this is the science behind it, and this is what science says, these are the numbers, and then who do you believe? Yeah. What do you, how well, do you discern? Well, and remember, we talked about, you know, you know how we don't want to be Christians. We don't want Christians to be the voice of, of uh, constant strife. Correct. We um, don't. And, and there's been, if you've, watched the blogs that have been created lately oh, man. Um, there's been an inundation of primarily uh, Christian sources both both saying this is all the stuff that's bad and this is the end times and this is the mark of the beast oh my goodness uh, and then there's wow. been there's been the flip of that of Christians calling out those Christians saying you know that you're you're propagating fear, and dissension, and you're buying into conspiracy theories, and and you're so easily, you know, misled um, along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's this here again. There's this tension. There's this this moment. And so we're we're not saying that here again. You can't have one opinion or the other opinion. Yeah. Um, and and one opinion or the other is not faithful to God. I mean, it feels like we're kind of saying two different things in this conversation. If yeah. You're, if you're if you're if really you're following this, yeah. If you're, if, <laughs> if, I don't know if it's if it's you're really listening or if you're listening kind of, you know, at a at a glance, kind of so to speak. Um, but on the one hand, there is truth that is innate and undeniable. Yes. And we don't get to alter it or phase it. Well, that's the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Jesus's life, death, resurrection, um, what he came to do, redemption of the world for sinners, salvation, all, salvation, eternal, all that. Eternal that, life. Yeah. We don't get to change that. No, no matter what our experience says. No matter what our our mind thinks or reasons, um, we can't alter that just because we think something different about it. But when it comes to us understanding and discerning things about life, we must use the skills we have been given and the the opportunity we have to ask questions and to to try to discern Mm -hmm. and to be intentional. So Proverbs... Oh, um, here we go. Yeah. It's good. Proverbs 3. 
um, verse 21 and, and through the end of that section, at least as, as mine lays it out. And this is this is from um, the Christian Standard Bible Translation, which, which I know is not um, widely commonly used, so that's why I mention it. Um, but it says this, Maintain sound wisdom and discretion or discernment. Uh, my son, don't lose sight of them, the wisdom and discernment. Uh, they will be life for you and adornment for your neck. Then you will go safely on your way. Your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. You will lie down and your sleep will be pleasant. Ooh, that sounds nice. Don't fear sudden danger or the ruin of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from a snare. Don't lose wisdom and discernment. Yeah. Don't lose it. Uh, so don't... It, it's not saying to not ask questions. No. It's not no. saying to, to not dig in and say, is this true? Is this real? And, and cause um, us to look a little bit more critically at things. Yeah. We have an analytical mind. We're supposed to use our analytical mind. But don't let that be your your king then. Yeah. Don't let the fact that you are analyzing things to the, the point of death be your king. That you're the only one who sees past the facade. Yeah. You're the only one that knows that Oz is behind the curtain. <laughs> and, and now nothing matters or makes sense. Because like we can meeting to death, we can analyze to death. Oh, absolutely. Um, continue your thought. You well, no, I think I think that was the end of my thought. But You know, and and as a I really try not to enter in debate, quite frankly. Um, I know that debate is healthy um, if it is constructive. Yeah. Um, I, I prefer to enter in conversation with people, and I prefer to listen first and foremost, hear their heart, hear their mind, um, and then then have a constructive conversation. And um, I really feel like. All too often, what we do is we want to prove we're right. Um, we want to post we're right, um, and and we want want people at the end of our finger to agree with that, or at least be offended by that, and really not enter into conversation with somebody that may be so far on the other side than we are. Um, Paul. Uh, as you were you were talking before you were reading that scripture from Proverbs, I just keep I kept coming back to um, him in, in, in Ephesians, um, which is you know if, if you've never read Ephesians in its entirety, uh, in the academic, the biblical academic uh, world seminary, um, this is kind of the quintessential letter. Um, about the church. This is yeah. the epitome, the essential of the church. And in chapter 4, he, he he touts, he says, as a prisoner of the Lord. Chapter 4, verse 1, he says, as a prisoner of the Lord. So he's writing this in chains uh, from a not, a, not a democratic or a republic, uh, not even from necessarily a libertarian or socialist uh government but under the guise of a very harsh dictatorial government the roman government um, as a prisoner for the lord then i urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you received go back and remember 
the calling that you received when you received Christ in your life. Be completely humble and gentle, which echoes the words of Peter when he says, make sure that you are ready to give um, everyone a reason for the hope that you have, but do it with gentleness and respect. That's 1 Peter, I believe, chapter 3. Um, and then Paul continues, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. We are peacemakers. Um, we, are, we are to step into moments like this and not add fuel to the fire, but have constructive conversation with people. And I, I re you really can't do that over social media. Um, you can't. Um, it's really having moments like this where you're six feet away or you're on FaceTime and you're able to have the conversation and listen to one another. Um, we as a church need to step into the gap and act justly and act mercifully. Like Micah 6.2, I believe, 6.4, somewhere around there. He says for us to step in and, and, and act justly and be those that are grace givers and extenders. Um, but you can't do that when all you do is you point your finger no. and try to prove that you're right. No one wins in a peeing match. No one wins, except for your kidneys and your yeah. bladder. Yeah. But, right? But you didn't have to have a match for that to, for that win to happen. <laughs> no. No. You could um, just use the bathroom like a normal person. But everybody wins when there's a discussion, yeah. when there's a conversation. Um, and who knows, maybe on the back end of all this social isolation, um, we're realizing that we really need to get back to conversation. Um, what what other thoughts? I mean, well, so so I'm I'm thinking about this. What you just said about nobody wins in a peeing match. In a, in a peeing match, except for your um, kidneys and your bladder. And, you but, can quote me on that. But uh, <laughs> I'm I'm thinking about this. You said in a discussion, everybody wins. Yeah. Um, and, and this is an analogy, I think I've used it on this podcast before. I know I've used it in a sermon before, and it's it's something that's kind of stuck with me most of my you've life. you've used it more than once I or know. twice, it's dated, man. It's true. Um, but I, <laughs> I, I continue to come back to this concept of wrestling. Yeah. You know, a good debate is a wrestling match, yeah. right? Um, but in that, th there are times, and so you, you mentioned a little while ago, we were just talking one day, um, that you'd been watching some of Mike Tyson's old fights. Yeah. Um, and... You can see in some of those matches, uh, and not just Mike Tyson, but in, in boxing in general and, and other fighting sports, when there's a certain level of mutual respect between the two competitors, yep. um, and they share that and they show that, and they, they fight and they punch and they drag and they wrestle and they, they do all that stuff, but then at the end there's this mutual respect. Yeah. They, they, they've learned something about the other person. At a deep, intimate level. Yep. Um, and I know to some people that sounds really strange because some people don't like fighting and boxing and stuff like that. Um, the pacifists probably are upset about that. Um, but I, I think that there's something innate in there um, that you do learn about it. But there are other situations where there's animosity and there is hatred and there's heat. Real heat between two people. And it's just about tearing the other person apart. Yeah. 
our discussions as Christians should never be about tearing the other person apart. No. It should always be about helping them understand us and us understanding them. Because what we are doing is we are understanding the creativeness and the vastness of the Creator God. Yeah. In understanding that person. Yeah. And even if we disagree. And that even comes back to the front end of this conversation about how propaganda essentially dehumanizes other people so that you feel justified yeah. in doing, acting, behaving, or saying, or posting what you do or say. And essentially, it, it could lead to the essential murder or killing of and even Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, back to, to referencing Matthew chapter 5, um, he takes murder, he, he ups the bar there. Uh, you've heard that it was said, do yeah. not murder. But he then he goes into the intent of the heart. Yeah. And he, he, he says murder isn't just the, the actual act, it's the intent. It's the, the, the mindset and the heart of the individual who even you even murder somebody before you even have, you know, uh, wielded the knife, the sword, yeah. taken the trigger and pulled the trigger, or in, what have in you. In legal terms, we refer to that as premeditated. Yes. But, but there's there's a premeditation to the premeditation. Yeah. What you let store up in your heart for that person. Yeah. Um, so I I kept I've been sitting here this whole conversation looking at um, the book of Ecclesiastes and. I, I guess, you know, we're going to kind of wrap this up. I, we we probably didn't say everything that we wanted to say, which is fine. You don't really need to listen to the wisdom of fools like us. <laughs> uh, but I really would like for you to listen to the words of, quote-unquote, the, the wisest individual. Uh, the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 9, written by Solomon. Um who, if, if you look at his life, um, obviously he was wayward. He, he, he went wayward. Um, but on the front end, at the, the exchange between his father, David, King David, and where David lost his life, and now Solomon takes the reins, God offered Solomon, yeah. whatever, whatever you ask, I will give you. And Solomon, rather than ask for riches and power and you know, control. control, he asked for wisdom. And as a result of that, asking for wisdom, God bestowed on him so much wisdom, but also gave him power and, and all those things. And we have some of his, I mean, you wrote, you read from Proverbs, Proverbs chapter yeah. three, which I believe that portion of the book of Proverbs was written by Solomon. And here we have Ecclesiastes. That was a long, long journey. I'm really sorry. Uh, you can wake up now. Um, Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 13 through 18. And I want to leave us with this, because this is a really good story. And this is what he says. <clears throat> From his observations, experience, right? I also saw under the sun this example of wisdom that greatly impressed me, the wisest person, right? There was once a small city, we live in a small city, with only a few people in it. Well, we have about 10,000 people. And a powerful king came against it, surrounded it, and built huge siege works against it. 
Now, there lived in that city a man, poor but wise, and he saved the city by his wisdom. Nobody remembered that poor man. So I said, Wisdom is better than strength. But the poor man's wisdom is despised, and his words are no longer heeded. And quite frankly, that's not actually true, because Solomon wrote them down. And we are reading them today, yeah. well over 3,000 years later. Yeah. Um, the quiet words, and he follows this story up. He follows this observation of this man in the city. Um, who knows if, if actually Solomon was the king that besieged the city. Who knows, right? We, we can postulate. But then he says, The quiet words of the wise are more to be heeded than the shouts of a ruler of fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war. But one sinner destroys much good. Folks, the church is to do good in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that good is to shine before others that they may see the good that we do and praise our Father in heaven. But the shouts of fools can destroy much good. And though we follow Jesus Christ, sometimes we can be fools shouting from the rooftops and not proclaiming the good that Jesus that God is, the good that He provides, the bring that He brings, the salvation, the, the grace, the forgiveness, the love, the life, um, the unity that He brings. Uh, the um, redemption. Um, amidst diversity. Amidst diversity. Jesus' disciples, if you study the disciples, that is a table full of diversity. Yeah. In fact, even just a surface look at two, Matthew, the tax collector, who is Jewish by heritage, who is in bed with Rome, who gouges the pockets of his own people and has forsaken his heritage so that he can line his pockets. Yeah. And Simon the Zealot, and all we know about Simon is that he was a zealot. <laughs> and that's, that should say enough. <laughs> that should say enough. But being a zealot, he is a part of an insurrectionist. Uh, prior to Jesus, he was a part of an insurrectionist group that if you look in its history, even at the, the, the front end of the first century, they were, the, the, they were a terrorist group. And one of the terrorist groups that come out of the zealot are the Sicarii, named for the knife that they wield, who comes and kills by deception in the dark shadows of the day, even in light, but they will kill anyone who is in bed with Rome. Yeah. So we have I, Matthew, I. E. Matthew. <laughs> i.e. Matthew, the chief tax collector, and Jesus called both of them to be his followers. And I'm really curious what Simon the Zealot thought about Zacchaeus up in that tree, yeah. that sycamore fig tree. As Jesus says, come down, I want to sit with you. I want to go to your home. Jesus is the one that brings 
even the most diverse group of people together and reminds them of their humanity, reminds them of your phrase that you love, love, love to repeat, the Imago Dei. Yeah. The fact that we are image bearers. Pelosi is an image bearer. Trump created and loved by our God. Trump is an image bearer. Created and loved by our God. Cuomo is an image bearer. Created and loved by our God. You are an image bearer. Created and loved by our God. Everyone on your friend list is an image bearer. Yep, all created and loved by God too. The left are image bearers. The right are image bearers. Everyone in between are image bearers. And we must keep this in mind that the Lord, His agenda is not propaganda, but His agenda, the story of the scriptures, are that He is out to get what is rightfully His and bring back into right relationship with Him. And we as the church hold that close to our hearts and we are on mission to make that happen so that people can see in the cross of Christ, the redemption of humanity, that we can see in the resurrection of Jesus Christ that there is new life that can happen, that God can use everything in your world to bring people to him and in right relationship and experience the abundance of life and heaven on earth here today, but also have a seat with him at a diverse table in heaven which is amazing to me yeah and so again no conclusions have been brought to except the actual conclusion that we must keep our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith jesus christ who for the joy set set before him endured the cross and scorning its shame consider him who suffered we love you we hope this has challenged you we hope this has convict you, convicted you. We hope the Holy Spirit does that, not us. Um, we are, we are, <laughs> we are just like you. Just as in need of conviction. Yeah, and so we just want to encourage you, and we're we're almost there. Um, just stay safe, whether you're at home or in public. Just stay safe. We love you, and uh, we'll see you the next time that we do this live podcast. God bless. Bye.